This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. From your morning podcast to your afternoon playlist, you know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with the State Farm Personal Price Plan. That's a lot of bees. Yeah. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. That's important. You want an affordable price. Yeah, I do want one. Yeah, if it's too much, well, that's just not going to happen. No. <laughs> State Farm's on it. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices vary by state. I'm lowering my voice. Mm, Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary. Hello, my name is Brian Cox. And I feel... Um, I have no idea how I feel about being Kona's friend. I'm sorry, that's disheartening. I because you are a brilliant man, and for you just to go, I don't know, feels like a huge letdown for no, me. It's not. It's the key to science. So the key to science is not to guess. Ah. So that's how we acquire reliable knowledge about nature. So I'm, I'm just behaving in the way that I was trained by saying I hadn't thought about it deeply enough to give a considered answer and so i thought that therefore i should do what newton would have done or stephen hawking would have done or any of the great scientists and just say i actually have no idea fall is here hear the yell back to school ring the bell brand new shoes walk and lose climb the fence books and pens i can tell that we are gonna be friends Hey there, and welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. So far, this is my best intro ever. It's confident. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> and to the point, that was good, right? I wasn't was in my really head. Good. And then you called attention to it and ruined it. Yeah, I know. Well, did I, or in a weird, weird way, weird, weird. way. Oh, you ruined it. <laughs> it started off so good, and then you just ruined it. You know, I have a bubble in my brain that causes me to occasionally mispronounce a very easy word, like weird, and, and I went weird. I love calling it out, because yeah, then you get very, like, uh, defensive about it. You're like, where does how they've always pronounced it. Uh, this is how it's pronounced. You know, my favorite is when people say, I've heard it both ways. When they're clearly wrong. Yeah. I love that when someone says, anyway, uh, I'm here, and of course I live in North America. And someone will go like, what? You mean North America? And they'll be like, I've heard it actually both ways. That's you. No, no, that's not me. That is you. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, please, I own my mistakes. If no, and never. when I ever make one, Ugh. I will own no. it. No, We're still waiting. Never, never own them. You only outsource them to underlings. Yes. I outsource all my mistakes and blunders <laughs> to, to offshore companies. Um, <laughs> that'd be really funny if I had 
you know, other people hide money or they, 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 you know, play these international games where they keep money and like, I've got some money in the Bahamas or Bermuda and they shuttle it all around. I would love that I just make a ton of mistakes by constantly hide them in offshore accounts and banks. Actual mistakes. If there was a way to hide mistakes, errors, omissions, and blunders, and all of mine were kept. So people thought, wow, Conan, he doesn't make mistakes. He's pretty incredible. But then some like grand jury justice committee finds them and get access to them. Right. And they find- All of your mistakes come They find hundreds of thousands of incredible mistakes and errors and faux pas and blunders. Yeah. And they've all been kept in these special accounts. That would be a show like Severance, a really cool sci-fi show. You know the way there's, it's very popular now to have shows where- you know, people can store their consciousness here or there. What about a show where I'm a character who can store all of his mistakes and embarrassing faux pas? Yeah. That's what this podcast is. Is there enough? (laughs) You think that's what this is? (laughs) Oh, and you have them all. You've you've collected them all. You've edited Uh, them out. Yeah. And so people think- I got you over a barrel, man. man. There's not enough space. Okay. All right. I'm saying you mess up a lot. I don't. And you mispronounce things a lot. I just don't know if there would be space. There's no cloud. No. There's no cloud cloud big enough. Hold your mistake. (laughs) Your faux pas. What if that's what brings down all the servers? (laughs) We tried to store all my mistakes and all the servers that Netflix is using and all these different Google, Amazon, Amazon, all these massive servers that are in the desert somewhere, and they were all comfortably handling all human knowledge, all purchases and all entertainment that's ever been made for anyone who wants it at any time. And then we started storing the audio mistakes I've made on the podcast and all of them melt down. (laughs) And suddenly we become this society that's just feral. No one can, (laughs) people are running around. It's Mad Max beyond Thunderdome. And the only currency is that your mistakes are NFTs that can be traded in a Thunderdome. Yeah. And so uh, Conan, instead of saying hurricane, said Huracan because he spoke too quickly and it came out Huracan. That's worth $35,000. And people in the future- are wandering around in sort of a post-apocalyptic society wearing shreds and rags, but they go in and someone has a piece of ham and they buy that piece of ham with Conan's attempt to say Herbert Hoover, but he said Herbert Hoover. I'm having a really hard time following this. Well, yeah. I'm so yeah. sorry. If I had a dime for every time we had this exact conversation. <laughs> I think we just came up with a really good idea for a show. I don't know if we did. That's Wait, I'm checking, and we didn't. No, I don't think Terrible so. Terrible show. Awful show. Well, Put I don't it even in the mistake vault. In a future yeah. world, Conan's mistakes are NFTs. They're the only thing that can purchase food. So no one heard them? You removed them before? They were all put on a server by Gorley. Uh-huh. The server ended up crashing the system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then in the future- then uh, Society collapsed. Yeah, society collapsed, oh. but then my mistakes become currency. Okay. And um, that's- you know, Conan's mispronunciation of the of President Herbert Hoover. Yeah. President Herbert Hoover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This all makes sense now. I'm doubling down on this terrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. I think this whole thing is going to be a mistake is, that goes. Yeah. This is the biggest one and the most valuable NFT you're going to have. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad I said my piece. Let's get started with the show. Yeah. My guest please. today, of course, uh, in contrast to myself, is a physicist. <laughs> and professor of particle physics at the University of Manchester. He has hosted countless science programs for the BBC and in 2016 was elected as a fellow of the Royal Society. He's now touring North America with his live show Horizons. 
a 21st century space odyssey. Tickets and dates are available at briancoxlive.co.uk. I'm thrilled he's here with us today. Professor Brian Cox, welcome. Again, I'm going to call you Professor Brian Cox until uh, I feel comfortable with you. Um, one, there are social conventions, you understand. So uh, where you say, uh, well, yes, it's, it's, I'm sure it's a pleasure. Uh, little things like that. For you to break it down into this mystery of the universe as to why someone would be Conan O'Brien's friend uh, is- <laughs> It's funny. It's, oh, you, it's you really enjoy, funny. Are you enjoying this, He didn't this, even Sona? try to think of he something. Tri- uh, you yeah. put no effort into this. Um, no, I did. Sure I thought deeply. I thought you deeply. Thought, oh, really? You sat under a tree like Newton and you thought deeply about being Conan O'Brien's friend and you came up with nothing. Well, <laughs> this is how we acquire reliable knowledge about nature. We have to be, uh, yeah, hubris gets you nowhere. In, in the study I have of found reality. hubris got me everywhere. The United <laughs> States was built on hubris. Our whole history is us saying, we'll take care of it, and then fucking the whole thing up. Um, and look I, I, at us now. We have more fast food restaurants than anybody. So I- Yeah, I we did it. Yeah, USA. I completely <laughs> disagree with your thesis. You just described why I shouldn't have just guessed. Uh, That's why I don't want to repeat that. Sir, you have, you have offended me deeply. Um, and and uh, we'll get past this. And I, I think I'm going to ask you again at the end of the interview. Maybe you'll have acquired some valuable knowledge by then. But I don't know how the universe began either, or even if it had a beginning. So there are, lo- there are lots of things that I don't know. So you could- if no, it minute, makes you feel better, you could put yourself in the category of the universe, <laughs> <laughs> which I also don't understand. Well, I am a lot like the universe. I'm ever expanding. <laughs> <laughs> People often ask me, how did you get here? <laughs> <laughs> many, many great minds have sat under trees and thought, "What? Ha- what's with that guy? So um, I've been pondered by many a great mind. Yeah. And so, so uh, if nothing else, you know, let me explain to people listening uh, how this interview came to be, because I, I like to let people in behind behind the scenes. I got a call from one of my all-time comedy heroes. Call? It's not a call. No one calls anybody anymore. Yeah, like he I got phoned te- you on his landline. I got a telegram <laughs> <laughs> from uh, one of my all-time uh, comedy heroes, Eric Idle. Uh, and Eric Idle said, would you join me uh, for a nice little dinner party I'm having? Would you and your wife join us? And uh, uh, Brian Cox will be there. And I was delighted because you came on my uh, late night show uh, twice um, now that is empirical evidence that you enjoyed it enough the first time to come a second time. So you do have some data. Yeah. You, yeah. Uh, you, have, you have some agreed. data agreed. that, that <laughs> Conan is an enjoyable fellow. Yes. Unless you were promoting something and you were just using me. No, I I, I will take the first one. I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you on that. <laughs> do you, don't you feel like you need a lawyer present at this point? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, um, but you were always fantastic. I really enjoyed talking to you. And then we had this uh, lovely time at uh, at, at Eric uh, Idle's home um, and with his wife, Tanya, and just, uh, just uh, other guests showed up and it was a really fun time. And at the end of the evening, I said, man, I would love to have you come on my podcast. 
Uh, to which you replied, how's Tuesday? That's <laughs> <laughs> yes, true. And you said, this is not how it works in this business. Yes. What you're supposed to say is, my people will talk to your people, and sometime in 2023, it may be that we could. But I said, yes. no, I, I'm only here till Wednesday, so yeah. Yeah. it so has to be <laughs> which, which you did, Monday. Which you did, which was, um, it's you broke a cardinal rule in show business, and I, I love it. <laughs> and and you said, oh, I could do that. I could do it tomorrow or the next day or the next day. I have nothing going on right now. Preci- precision. Again. Pre- precision. It's, yeah. Well, I, so, I, uh, so I gave you a little lesson and I hope that next time someone asks you, could you possibly do my podcast or could you show up on our show? Even if you have nothing going on, I want you to say, well, it's a really dodgy time, um, but I'll get into it with my people. Now I say my people all the time, and I don't have any people. Sona is my people, yeah, and even she won't take my calls. No, no, I won't. I won't. I ignore them. I'm sorry. Does your caller ID say the asshole when I call you? Say do. It says do not answer when you call me. So, um, but anyway, so I've educated you, but I was going to start with an observation I made when the first images started to come back from Mars, from the various rovers that we sent up, had an immediate reaction, which was feeling absolutely at peace. And I couldn't understand why I suddenly felt so good. Then I realized it's because I don't matter in a good way, What I, is, is the way I look at it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. The, I mean, I think there are, I mean, just to set the scene, the, our galaxy just one island of stars has got 400 billion suns in it. Uh, most of those stars we think are planets around them. Mm-hmm. So there'll be more than 400 billion planets like Mars and Earth in our galaxy. Our galaxy is one of two trillion galaxies in the piece of the universe we can see. And we have very strong evidence the universe extends beyond that, could be infinite in all directions. Uh, and actually, we now have ideas that maybe our universe itself is one of an infinity of universes, so-called multiverse theories. So, Did Marvel Comics come up with the multiverse theory? <laughs> no, they stole it. Nope. From, um, so so you, you're right. So, so we're physically insignificant. But um, at the same time, I think we might underestimate our value because we haven't seen any sign of life anywhere out there beyond Earth. And actually, the more we learn about the origin and evolution of life on Earth, the more it seems almost unbelievable that we're here. I mean, there was an unbroken chain of life on Earth for pretty close to 4 billion years, Mm -hmm. which is a third of the age of the universe. And the more we learn about the universe, we see it's a violent place. It's not a stable place. Stars are unusual. There are cometary impacts and even planets collide. I mean, the moon was created by a planetary collision. So another planet hitting us early in the history of Earth. Right. So, so we live in a violent universe. And the idea that you can start with these single-celled things 3.8 billion years ago in some uh, primordial ocean, and evolution can take you from the single-celled things to a civilization, which took 3.8 billion years. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that that's happened in many places is, to a lot of scientists, um, unlikely. And so, so you can make a strong argument that in a galaxy like the Milky Way with 400 billion suns that's been here for 13.8 billion years, on average, there may be one civilization or so present. 
And so I think that makes us, notwithstanding our physical physical insignificance, potentially tremendously valuable. Okay, now I'm nervous again. Because well, yeah. now you've- <laughs> I, 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 I was feeling this great sense of calm. You you and now you've basically said really- that I am a, a, a one in a you know a quintillion uh, <laughs> event and that I should take everything I do very seriously, and clearly I haven't. Yeah. So now, now we, I feel we, terrible. We, no, I, I was asked. I was asked, right? <laughs> Can't you lie? What's your problem, man? I, I was asked. It's called you, a kind lie. You know, well, it's, you know, reality is brutal. Yeah. But yeah. I, I was asked to give um, a, a, a little video thing to the intro to the COP26 meeting, you know, the climate change meeting in Glasgow. Right. And it was, the brief was, if you, you get the chance to speak to these world leaders in a little intro video, what do you want to say to them? And the message was that, uh, ultimately, I said, that if you think about meaning, we all ask, what does it mean? That's what you're talking about, really. Yeah, you're thinking yeah. about what does it mean to be alive? What does it mean to mm-hmm. be a living thing in this t- massive universe? And um, meaning, w- what is it, right? Whatever it is, it emerges from brains, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. a property of conscious things. And so if there is nothing else, there's nowhere else in our galaxy of 400 billion suns where atoms have come together to think, which when you put it like that, it's a tall order. That's what we are, collections of atoms that can think. Then if we mess this up, if we destroy ourselves through inaction or deliberate action, then we may remove meaning from a galaxy of 400 billion stars. And we may be responsible for that. So so I think actually (laughs) that you're... Your view, both these views are right. It's the combination of feeling humble and physically insignificant. So clearly the universe doesn't revolve around us. And you're right, doesn't care mm-hmm. whether we're here or not. But at the same time, this might be the only place where anything thinks yeah. for billions of light years, millions of light years in every direction. And that's important. So we have a tremendous responsibility. Yes. Even if there is life out there, we have to take into the account that they may have made themselves extinct because of behavior like the behavior that we're exhibiting on this planet. There's a thing called the Drake equation that the great Frank Drake wrote down. And it was just an attempt to say, could we estimate the number of civilizations that might be present that we could communicate with Mm -hmm. in our galaxy? Mm -hmm. Instead of things like the number of stars, the number of planets, how long it takes, uh, how many on planets, as you said, that have liquid water and things and the right distance from the star, does life evolve? What's the probability? So just making you think. But at the end, there's a, it's L, which is the lifetime of a civilization. You know, if you go back, two of my great heroes, actually, Richard Feynman, who's one of the great physicists, yep. won a Nobel yep. Prize, and Oppenheimer, actually, I've got more and more interested in Oppenheimer, fascinating character, ran the scientific bit of the Manhattan Project. So yep. was responsible in, in Los many Alamos, ways for, yeah. Los Alamos for the yeah. bomb. And in the 50s, they both reflected, there's a wonderful essay by Feynman called The Value of Science, which is on the web. You can just look it up. If you type Feynman, The Value of Science, you'll, you'll get it. And and ultimately, he's worried that the the knowledge that we have acquired, we'd been, science has given us, right? the knowledge our civilization has exceeds our wisdom. Yeah. Exceeds, so so we have too much power for our morality and our wisdom and our, our intellect can't deal with the power that we have. And so they thought, they were surprised to be around in the 50s and they were right to be surprised. And that's before the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah. So it could, it really could be almost a law of nature that when intelligent species begin to learn and therefore acquire power, that they deploy the power in a way that just wipes them out. Maybe civilizations only have a lifetime of a thousand years or 2,000 years or 10,000 years. Um, That would essentially mean that we're still, it would mean that we're alone. 
because right. all the other ones have been brief lights that flickered out of existence. Wow. And it's a, sh you know, what a tremendous shame after four billion years that, right. that we would, through our own stupidity, essentially, uh, you know, remove meaning from this corner, at least, this little corner of the galaxy, because we're idiots, yeah. basically. And well, that, you know, the other th possibility is that we don't end life here, but we end human species. Um, this is a theory that uh, that I came to know after closely studying the movie Planet of the Apes. <laughs> oh God! I'm sorry. We all have our own. We all have our own form, forms of education, our own universities. You know, you were uh, studying particle physics at the University of Manchester and, and teaching it, and um, I learned pretty much everything I know from basically the first Planet of the Apes movies. The other ones kind of lose me. Um, I think is that the get, Charlton Heston one? The first, yes, Charlton Heston's yeah. in the first one, uh, and it ends with him. Well, I don't want to spoil it. Hey, if I'm spoiling <laughs> Planet of the Apes <laughs> for anyone out there, then you're an idiot. <laughs> um, you did it, you did it, you blew it up. Damn you, damn you. And because he sees the Statue of Liberty, basically, humans wipe themselves out. And then things start over again and uh, apes are ascendant. I don't think so, because I think if you look at the history of life on Earth, I mean, we as a species are a quarter of a million years old or something like that. Right. 250,000-ish. And I've got a friend who's a biologist and he studies these things, evolutionary biology. And he likes to say that in that sweep of stars that you can see in the night sky, all there will be there at best is slime. Because really? slime is probably the default with life. Um, you know, the, if you look at the history of life on Earth, it was single-celled, just single-celled things. Probably three billion years or so of the three point eight that there's been life on Earth. So for most of it, it didn't bother. <laughs> it just sat there as a sure. Why slime, basically. Yeah, why should it? Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, so, it's it's uh, so think, slime is the de facto form of life in most well, places. It was on Earth, right? Seventy-five right. percent of the time or more, it was just slime, yeah. and it's only in the last half of 500 million years, that anything complex has, has been around. And then it's only in the last, if you think about it, what, 200,000 years or so that anything has been around with any, with a brain capacity like ours. So I, I don't think it's the case that if you just wipe us off the planet, then something else will suddenly be inventing iPhones right. and things in, given, given a few thousand years. It's very, it looks very unlikely. So we look like a freak of nature, Yeah, our presence on this planet. You know, it's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Okay. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus, they also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, beat. I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. <laughs> well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take Sorry. it. Just take it down. I notch. didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. Uh, so I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. Way. That's brunch. all right. 
Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loudspeaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, yeah. find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. This is unbelievable. I've been talking about this idea for years. I know. I want you to explain it more. I can. Okay. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required access from anywhere. I had this idea years ago. (laughs) I was telling people no one listened to me. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems. Remember when I said that? Yeah. Because you've got one unified Unified business business management management suite. suite. You said that. Yeah. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math, man. Yeah. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Conan, netsuite.com slash Conan. I'm going to say it one more time just for emphasis, netsuite.com slash Conan. On the way in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the jitterbug and the Watusi. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on this? Oh, yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. And you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair. For six days, but not oh. with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm-hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it it's less filling Miller Lite or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, all right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. You know, I talk to my father about this all the time, but, you know, my father's father, if you think about it, in my grandfather's lifetime, I think he died in 1976, he saw us land on the moon. They detonate the atomic bomb at Los Alamos. He sees Elvis Presley show up, then the Beatles, people's hair gets long, we're landing on the moon, you know, um, ABBA. (laughs) (laughs) 
becomes a huge fan of ABBA. <laughs> Sees every show. No, he didn't. I would just love to throw that in there. But my mind, I'm, 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 I, I can't ponder the galaxy, but I also can't ponder what my grandfather saw in one lifetime. Yeah. And actually, Feynman, in the essay, The Value of Science, he he didn't have the internet, of course, but he thought about this. What can what lessons can this tremendously successful way of looking at the world teach us in in, in our wider society? So, is there anything applicable? Call it a transferable skill mm-hmm. that nature forces into you that you can then use. And he, and he said there is that the most important thing is is what we started with is is, is admitting that you don't know. Yeah. And he called it. He, he said science is a satisfactory philosophy of ignorance. Which hmm. I thought is a beautiful definition of science. And he said, he used this wonderful word. He said, that's, you know, we keep asking about the meaning of it all. And you get all these people, like you said, at the internet, everyone's certain, everybody knows how to do it. Everybody knows how to run a country. Everybody knows how they should behave, what God they should worship. And mm-hmm. so on. Everybody knows this, knows it. And, and he said, no, it's um, the open channel. The open channel is to admit that we don't know and understand that therefore, our responsibility is to leave something for future generations to discover. So leave, admit that we don't know now, and therefore our responsibility is to hand over our civilization and our planet to the next generation intact so that they can acquire some more knowledge and find out a bit more. But it requires you to, that requires you to say, I might be wrong here, right? That's what he said, that's what democracy is. So if you think what democracy actually is, it's admitting that we don't know how to run a country so because it's too hard. Yeah. So every four or five years, we change, right? Yeah. The, the very act. And often when we, every four or five years, we often decide to go in the opposite direction of the one we were just headed in yeah. in the previous election. Which is actually good. Yeah. Because if you didn't, you think about the alternative. The, the, the alternative is you go, you plow on in one direction when we've already established and we all understand that we don't know how to do it. We don't know how to choose that direction. Yeah. So that means though, that you know, for people like, well, anyone who's listening, let's say that the government that's in at the moment, you don't really like, let's mm-hmm. say you like the other side. The fact that they're there and you don't like them means that you, you're free. It means you live in a free country. The moment Every single government is a government that you like. That's a signal that you're no longer free because one path has been chosen and it never changes. Yeah. So we have to celebrate the fact that sometimes it goes against us, which is very hard in today's polarized world. And, you know, the, we, we get ever more extreme governments and they do things we really don't like. But every time that happens, as long as it swings back, as, as long as the pendulum comes back again, then you should actually celebrate the fact that it swings against you. First of all, I love that concept. Mm-hmm. I think I've mentioned this before, but George Washington, who everyone agreed was the best potential leader of his time in a very unified, we just, apologies, but we just beat the British and now we're- <laughs> Apologies. Uh, well, I'm sorry. I know you're it's a big fan of- It was an, ev- an evolution. <laughs> exactly. It was, it was an the evolution. pendulum swinging. But yeah, pendulum swinging. <laughs> But just to just to say it again, we we, <laughs> we defeated you. Um, oh my and, God. Um, so you long are, ago. You are, you really? And by the way, I wasn't even here. We were. I was in Ireland <laughs> throwing a potato at someone who was throwing a potato at me. But the, the <laughs> which, but but I love that. Um, I always point out to people that that by the time Washington had his second term, he was every day reading. 
absolute crap about himself and people were bitching and whining and saying he's gone, you know, I don't like him anymore. <laughs> he was the first guy. And, and you know, Washington had a difficult second term. And then uh, the person who follows him gets one term because everyone, you know, no one likes Adams. And then that's just, we're off and running. That's the very beginning. It's a satisfactory philosophy of ignorance. And the reason that it comes from science is because um, nature clearly doesn't care. Nature is very complicated. Right. It doesn't care what you think, doesn't care what your opinion is, doesn't care what your title is. Um, so what you learn, when, when you start doing research in science as a student, what you learn is your opinion is completely worthless, right? because nature tells you that. And that, that's what Feynman and Oppenheimer meant. That's the transferable skill. Mm -hmm. It's knowing there is something, you can be wrong, and you're usually wrong. Right. And you can't argue, you can't argue with nature. You know, we, we, it, we, you know, when you, you hear people who have opinions on, on climate modeling, for example, mm -hmm. right? Climate modeling is very difficult and it's hard to do, but the, having an opinion on it when you don't really know about it is like having an opinion on the shape of a wing in an aircraft. You rarely see people running down the aircraft actually to the captain going like, it's my right, <laughs> right? To land this plane. I'm I'm I, I'm going to land this plane. Right. I know you're an expert and everything, but we don't trust experts anymore, and you're right. all biased. And so I'm going to land the plane. That right. does, that happens rarely. But so it, I've it, been escorted out of a cockpit three times, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can and I it. said I my reasoning was I'm a celebrity, <laughs> uh, kind of, and uh, I have as a celebrity I have every right to land this 747. Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and it's so, never gone. By the way, it's never gone well. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. That's what you learn from science. So I think the reason actually that, that science education is really valuable is not that people need to know all the stuff that I said about 13.8 billion years old mm -hmm. universe and two trillion galaxies. It doesn't really matter whether people know that. But what you do need to know is the process by which we acquire reliable knowledge. It's important to have reliable knowledge. It's not necessarily right, but it's the best you can do. Yeah. So it's a good question to ask. If we carry on behaving as we are and we put this number of greenhouse gases into the atmosphere, what will the climate be like in 50 years? That's yeah. a good question. Right. Yeah. We need we need to know that. The only way you can do it is by acquiring some knowledge about how the gases behave and building some computer models and trying your best. And you might not get it right, you probably won't. It's really complex. But it but this it's What's the other? What's the alternative? Like you said, you just get a panel of celebrities to sit there and go, "What we we think? What do you think? You sold a million yeah. records. What you, what's your view? You know, you could do that." Well, first of all, less... I think we should do that. Oh no, no! I happen have? to know many uh, celebrities, and I I can think of no better group of people <laughs> to, to decide. <laughs> name name them. Who would they be? Yeah. Eric Idle. Eric Idle. Uh, yeah, and as I mentioned, uh, one of the women from ABBA. I don't remember which one. Uh, Agneta. I think Agneta. Yes, Agneta. Yes, she's the one that you're right. How did you know? Because I, <laughs> I was into Amber. You know, I well, I, we, we're I never even learned Amber their Amber. names. I knew there was a Benny and a Bjorg, and then uh, and, Bjorg, no Bjorn, not Bjorg. Bjorg's the Star Trek. Listen, we <laughs> let's admit that we can never really know the members of ABBA. Let's just admit now. Well, we could that, Google it. That um, Frida, yeah, Agneta, okay. Benny, and Bjorn. But wow. That, that's impressive. And I think you're pronouncing it wrong. You're saying ABBA. Isn't uh -huh. it just ABBA? Oh, I don't know. Oh, it's, okay. It's Swedish. Or maybe, now. yeah, Listen, maybe no, you no, are. No, to be right, it's an Agneta. Agneta. And, the, and the A is either Agneta. I am going to, again, <laughs> I don't know what the other say is. Yeah. that I 
uh, as uh, I think maybe the real scientist here. Oh God. Will admit that we can't really know how to pronounce ABBA and we can't really, really ever know for sure. And this is with great humility (laughs) who the members of ABBA are. We can't, that we can't know. We can build models that will predict who they are. Well, but Google, how do we know? That's that's you showing a great deal of hubris. Members of ABBA, Agnetha, Agnetha? I, yeah. I, yeah. Annie Frid, Bjorn, <laughs> Annie and Frid. Ben. Oh, that's just Frida, yeah, because then yeah. it'd be Amph, Amph, wouldn't it? Is it yeah. It's got a, <laughs> I just love, I just love that well, this is my favorite conversation in a while and it's been <laughs> completely derailed <laughs> by <laughs> us figuring out who's in Abba. It took me 10 <laughs> seconds. You know, it happens to me. You know, oh, like, I love that. You were talking Makes about me happy. Talking about Eric Idle, he, yeah. before the Monty Python live shows mm-hmm. that they did in um, in London, the big reunion shows, mm-hmm. he um, we we'd had this ongoing joke because I always have a go at him about the Galaxy song because I always say that it's inaccurate. So his his lyrics and, and he said it's not my fault. You scientists keep changing stuff because I wrote it in the eighties. <laughs> Is this so we, in uh, Meaning of Life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, just remember that you're standing yes. up like it's wrong now. Yep. And so we had this joke. So so he said, you, you know Stephen Hawking, don't you? And I said, yeah, I can. I know him a bit. And and he said, well, can you ask him if he'll be in a sketch, a comedy sketch? Mm-hmm. So so I emailed Stephen and said, you know, <laughs> the Pythons want you to be in a sketch. And he got back straight away and said, yeah huge fan. So we went to Cambridge and to his office and Eric had written this sketch where after the Galaxy song at the live shows, I come on the screen by the river in Cambridge and say, well, of course, this is inaccurate. It's terrible because the the the, the earth doesn't go in a <laughs> circle around the sun. It goes in an ellipse and this, and right. I go, oh, no, no. But in the distance, there's this little speck and it's Stephen in his in his wheelchair, and he comes flying along the river, knocks me over, knocks me to the ground, <laughs> and then says, "You're being pedantic." And then he starts singing the Galaxy song. So, so we did it. We filmed it That's in Cambridge. Fantastic. We spent the whole day in Stephen's office and talking to him and everything. But we didn't talk to him about the mysteries of the universe or anything. We just had a laugh about this stupid joke. <laughs> and it was the most Python-esque thing. And we, we, when we got out yeah. at the end of the day, we thought, I think somehow we've wasted an opportunity I know, here. you were just in a, a room. Whole day with Stephen Hawking. You have, uh, you, have, made- you have Brian Cox <laughs> in a room with Stephen Hawking. And this is a chance for you two to really try and get to something. And and I'm sure you're talking about what's the best way to shoot this joke. Yeah, what's how the should best I way fall? For, yeah, how should you when fall? When he hits me. And that was it. That's um, what we wasted <laughs> the whole opportunity. Maybe not. Maybe you got to something even more important uh, because shooting comedy, I, I think few things are more inco- uh, important huh. than shooting comedy and how it's done. I actually believe that. Do you really? I do. <laughs> I mean, that's my religion. Uh Getting back to Stephen Hawking. Yes. <laughs> I do wonder sometimes someone like yourself or a Stephen Hawking or anyone whose job is to contemplate these immense ideas and the vastness of it all. But then at the same time, you're in traffic in Los Angeles going to Conan's podcast and you're irritated. You asked, could I please get rye toast and they they bring you sourdough at the <laughs> restaurant does what you're contemplating help you as a human being in day-to-day life you know i started life as a musician so i, I was i was basically spinal tap for a while getting upset about the bread with the uh, you know, oh that's right I yeah i can't get <laughs> this thing yeah but um, no, that's uh, that's interesting i want to point out that you you were not uh you didn't 
buckle down in your studies and you were pretty seriously into rock music, right? Yeah, yeah. I um, The first time I came here to LA, I was 18, so it'd be 1986 or something like that. Uh, and I, I was in a band. We were recording our album, first album mm-hmm. with uh, on A&M Records. So I was in a rock band. So I didn't go to university until I was 23. Um, although I'd been interested in astronomy. Did you, know, you I, know that you had this facility then? or I was just interested in it. And yeah. uh, and I think this, when, actually when I talk to, to you know kids, students, and I always say that a lot of it is, it, it isn't a sort of kind of weird, um, I don't know, special talent if you want to be a scientist. It's just being interested yeah. and then being prepared not to kid yourself that you understand something. Right. The, the real skill, which is something that you learn, is to be able to admit that you don't know and say, okay, yeah. so I don't understand this. I'll try again. I'll try again. I'll try again. And that's the only way that anybody gets to a deep understanding. Nobody just understands it. It's not magic, this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just being able to be honest, actually, and, and and keep going until you find a way of teaching yourself and understanding it yourself. What was the name of your band? We had a band called Dare. Dare. I can't, you can't even say it in a, because we're from Manchester, so we call it Dare. How do you spell it? D A R E. Okay. Dare. Oh, dare. <laughs> <laughs> it was a tremendously stupid thing to call a band that you wanted to do well in, in the States uh-huh. because none of us with our accent could actually say it. It says, what are you called? Duh. Duh. Yeah, duh. That's what you say. So there was duh that was in, which is dare. And, and, and we, we grew out And then the, people would say to you, kid, have you thought about particle physics? <laughs> Name your band something. Maybe rock and roll isn't your thing. Yeah, someone can pronounce. But it came out of the, the keyboard player from Thin Lizzy formed the band. Oh, my so, God. Um, Thin is, Lizzy. Wow. Yeah, a great band. Um, and uh, so after Lizzy split up, then he formed this band. The boys are back uh, in town. Boys back in town. Yeah. Which uh, I played once on stage with St- Scott Gorham playing guitar. It was one of the fantastic. I'm sorry. So brilliant. So I love me explaining to you how the song goes when you played it as part of your repertoire. So that was my history. And then that band split up. We had a fight in a bar. Proper in Berlin, which is the way you. I can't even to imagine you getting angry. Man. You seem like such a pleasant, perpetually pleasant oh, person. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I was kind of observing the fight. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was <laughs> sitting there seeing the other band. It was, you know, it was the lead, the lead vocalist and the lead guitarist. That's what happens, isn't it? Those are the two vocalist, Aww. guitarist, Page and Plant, not getting along. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so then I went to university after that, and then got uh, joined another band at university called D Ream, which is. Easier to pronounce. So Still not, it's a dream, not a name that dream with punctuation in it. Okay. Okay. And we had a number one hit, actually. You did? Yeah, in the UK, we had a number one called Things Can Only Get Better, which, by the way, is bullshit. And yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, it's just not true. The second law of thermodynamics tells you that things get worse. It's called oh, the increase no. in entropy. So I really should have corrected it at that well, point. Why don't you just put but that it, in the title and the parentheses? Like, things can only get better, parentheses, uh, an exploration of the diametrically opposed opinion in the second law of thermodynamics, close parentheses. That's how it shows up on the jukebox. Catchy. Yeah. So um, that's what I should have done, or yes. at least had it on the back. Cover, but that that was the number one hit, and uh, Tony Blair used it in his nineteen ninety seven election campaign. You're kidding, yeah. So, so you you guys made it. We made it, yeah. We, we eventually, with the the band that I joined at university, we we ended up on top. Of, we have a thing in, in the UK called Top of the Pops, yeah, which I know. is the thing that everybody wants to be on, and it had been one of my ambitions. So one of them was go to NASA and go to things like JPL here in California, 
And the other one was to be on top of the pops. And I managed to do that. I managed <laughs> My to God. achieve both ultimately. Did you live the hedonistic rock and roll lifestyle for a while? Uh well, yeah, in the 80s and 90s, I mean, we were 18, 19, 20s, banned from Oldham. I hadn't been out of the country, but the first time I came out of the country was to was to come here to record an album. Because we'd only just got a McDonald's. It was one of the great things in Oldham where I lived. McDonald's came and he was like, what? <laughs> what is this? Exotic food that you can get. It really was. It's incredible. It was the most exciting thing that had happened in Oldham. I just measured it. It's exactly a quarter pound. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't exactly the most, because Oldham, we, we invented the Industrial Revolution as well in, in Oldham and Manchester. So put, yeah. putting that as, after inventing the industrial world, the next most interesting thing that happened was McDonald's, McDonald's came. Can you swear on your podcast? You just bleep it out if you swear. Yeah, yeah. go for I'll it. I'll say the, the, the first professional gig that I did was supporting Jimmy Page. So my band, oh my God. My band got, it was a tour called Outrider that he did. Um and, uh, so, this would be after the breakup. Uh, Led Zeppelin breaks up in 1980. Yeah, this was 1988. Yeah, I so think. this is uh, obviously a project without Zeppelin. Yeah, yeah. And Jason Bonham played drums actually. Yeah. So it was, and, and so we we, were, we ended up at Hammersmith. And anyone who follows music, you know, Hammersmith, like the Mohead album, No Sleep. Yeah, Hammersmith. sure. So Hammersmith Apollo or Odeon, as it was, I think. Then it was it was just you know one of those things. And we're supporting Jimmy Page. And so we're in the bar, and um, my band are from Oldham. This is talking about accents and my roadie my keyboard roadie is called billy and he was very old and so he's like right i'm going bar going bar one drink bar right so, so he went to the bar the backstage bar and someone kind of pushed in and 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 he went oi fuck off fuck off my ram and he was george harrison oh! <laughs> so george said i haven't been told to fuck off since 1962 <laughs> and and bought us all drinks <laughs> That's <laughs> fantastic. And I told Eric that, you know, because Eric Idle was a big friend of George Harrison. Sure, and he's good like, friends, yeah, yeah. That's George. That is yeah. exactly George. So we had this wonderful sort of hour sat with George Harrison that because my old and roadie had gone, <laughs> my round, out of the way. So, yeah. And you know what? It's it's funny to think about it because yes, the la that's 1962 would have been the last time <laughs> that told anyone me. told anyone in the Beatles to fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I do want to get to just, because I feel remiss if I don't ask you just a few specifics, particularly on say climate change, because I think about this all the time changing humans changing their patterns is can't be the only answer because i don't trust in our ability to do it are you a believer that there's technology out there that there are ways that we can be eating carbon that we can be creating devices that we can creating be creating systems that in addition to us changing our behavior would help reduce greenhouse gases. Um, yes, so there are. There, there's uh, th there's something called carbon capture and storage, for example, that people look at um, for uh, coal-fired or gas-fired power stations, where you can you can, if you want to spend the money, capture the emissions and then bury them. Essentially, take them out. So so, uh, and you're right that it's um it's a difficult challenge because you know at one level. So energy use, you kind of allude to it, is is a is a good thing. If you in that, if you look at the places where you know infant mortality is the lowest or lifespan is the highest and people live a higher quality of life, then it's places where energy is used. Mm -hmm. So what you kind of alluded to it, it's it's not it's sustainable to just say, right now, the world is going to stop developing now because 
you're right. We in the in in the US and Europe, we we've developed and there are places that would like to have access to more energy, just mm-hmm. even clean water, mm-hmm. which requires energy. So the key thing, though, is to go back to something I said earlier, which is nature really doesn't care. Nature mm-hmm. doesn't it doesn't have morality actually. Mm-hmm. So it might be it's it might be unfair that we will have a problem if we carry on on the trajectory that we're on. But we do have a problem. Mm-hmm. And so, and and I think you're right. Ultimately, there'll be a. It must be a combination of behavioural change and technology. So cleaner energy. You know, there's a big project um, which CERN are involved in, which is one of the places that I work in 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 Switzerland. There's a big project in France called ITER. Do they have the a, collider? Yeah, it's the is collider, it, the yeah. Large Hadron Collider. But they're also involved in a big project called ITER, which is a fusion reactor. So it's a it's a it's a nuclear fusion reactor design which is being built now, and that is if it works is going to be part of the answer because it's it, instead of having sort of dirty nuclear power as it were mm-hmm. so using uranium and things like that that are toxic what that does is what the sun does so it just mm-hmm. takes hydrogen and makes helium basically give or take and so it, it, it the, <laughs> the the waste product is give or take you know the stuff you put in party balloons right so you know lots of party but the, the number of what, birthday parties in the world that's will the multiply <laughs> By ten thousand fold. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a bit more. As always, it's a bit more complicated. Than there are some problems with, but broadly, no, no, no. You had me at party balloons. <laughs> you think people are going to go fill up their balloons with this? This? Yeah, react- yeah, yeah I think people are going to be celebrating their birthdays every day of the year just to try and offset this, <laughs> yeah. this, this pretty harmless gas. Um, yeah. So there are ways that we know that there are ways of generating energy, releasing energy that, that yeah, if this works, if We've this works, when will we know if it works? Within well, a year or two, it's in construction now. So um, it's you know it's a sort of ten year timescale. But th- that's just investment, really. I mean, th- there was a there was a I, I did a I made a documentary once, and I think it's still right. But at the time I made it in 2014, the US invested uh, more money in pet grooming than in fusion research. Oh my god! Oh. So and my answer was just why don't you just comb your own cat? <laughs> And in, and the, the payoff will be to solve the world's energy needs forever. You know, yeah. so, but it it is true that you know I think there is a mismatch in the way that we spend effort and of money. Course. Of that course. being one example. But I mean, so if I think this, we could if, solve a lot of these problems. We we, yeah. we know we, we're clever. We can solve these problems. The the but it, I, I'm not naive. I know that it's complicated. I know that there are complex issues with them. Um, I mean, I. I'm in Australia quite a lot, and there it's controversial there because a lot of people work in mining, yeah. For example, and it's not just it's not okay just to say, well, you can't work in mining anymore. We're not going to do anything about it. We're just going to shift everything to something. You know, I know that politics is complicated, mm-hmm. but ultimately, I go back to that point that nature just doesn't care whether politics is complicated. Right. If we carry on doing what we're doing, as far as our models are concerned, we will raise the global temperatures to a point where it becomes pretty uncomfortable for us. And, and very uncomfortable for some people. Yeah, it, so that and that's just. Are, do, are you seeing this the in way, the next uh, thirty years? The next twenty-five, thirty the, years, the, or fifty years? The projections years? are the projections. I mean, I'll, you should look on online for the latest ones. But they're they they you know we were still trying to keep the temperature rise below about two degrees uh, above the pre-industrial level, mm-hmm. which doesn't sound very much, but it that causes problems. Yeah, and there is and what. The people I know who work in this area say that one of the problems is that we can't be 
apocalyptic about it, right? There has to be hope. Mm -hmm. And it's true that global emissions are reducing, or, or the trend is beginning to mm -hmm. flatten. So, so the, the point, the, the key message is that we can do it, right? We're, we're not locked in to a horrendous future. Right. It can be done, but it needs political action. It needs investment in things like fusion and battery research and solar mm -hmm. power, all those things. You need to do all that as well. And the behavioral change, you need to do some of that. Yep. But together, if you do all those things, then the, the, the projections I see are reasonably optimistic that we can control it. And so we have to believe in the, it goes back to what we said at the start, we have to, we have to believe in the fact that we can acquire knowledge that's not political. It's, mm -hmm. It doesn't depend on your mm -hmm. point of view or your, your, your morality or whatever it is. There is knowledge about nature that exists that we can access. And the great triumph of, the, of our civilization over the last two, couple of hundred years has been to develop a way of accessing and acquiring that knowledge. Yeah. And so we can, we can solve these problems if we want to. Or we can spend lots of money washing our dogs, <laughs> you know, not washing our dogs, not washing our own dogs, but getting someone else to wash our dogs, which was the, you know, there was literally, there's another one actually, which is that, you know, there's that expression, oh, we spend peanuts on that. Mm -hmm. It is, it was, it's actually true that we spend more on peanuts than we do on um, nuclear fusion research. So we literally... <sighs> Spend peanuts on it, but if you well, had, fusion's I just mean, one of them. Peanut butter is fantastic. Yeah, it's good. It, yeah, I'm I mean, sorry. It's, it's just, <laughs> you, I think you. Yeah, can I just say you were finishing so strong, and then when you started, I messed to, it up with the peanuts. When you started to go after peanuts, um, <laughs> I don't know. He lost me at the grooming because I was thinking about my own dog, and uh, Sona, she needs a haircut. Sona um, has <laughs> one. Sona has one dog and uh, spends two hundred and forty thousand dollars a year. <laughs> Having that dog groomed, and yeah. and you don't even you don't make half that. No, I don't. I yeah. don't. I don't make. And so, I'm in um, debt. I'm yeah, in she's in terrible debt. So, debt. Um, but you know, you you brought us back to the beginning, which is lovely because I want to end where we started. You've now spent quite a long time. I've had a fantastic conversation with you. I've very much enjoyed myself. Tell us now, Professor oh, Brian Cox, oh what it means to you to oh, be Jesus. Conan O'Brien's friend. I feel intellectually stimulated. Hey! That's nice. I'll take that. I'll take that. You no. know, thank I, you. I That's... thought you would forget. And I feel like it's oh, been no. sitting there the whole time. The whole time. <laughs> you keep talking about how we can save the world. And I'm like, What's, I've got to change this. He said at the beginning, he wasn't sure how he felt about it. That's got to change. It's got to change. It's got to change. I must live forever in the mines. Um, I feel pleasantly, surpri pleasantly surprised. Hey, <laughs> hey uh, Brian, this is uh, this has been an incredible treat. And I want to come see your your tour because uh, I'm a huge fan oh, and I will, I'll make sure I, I spread the word horizons, a 21st century space odyssey. Yeah, it is a, it is a uh, breath of fresh air to talk to you. It's really fun and hopeful and funny. So it's all those good things. And okay. I swear to God, trust me on this. We'll never, ever be sure who's in ABBA. <laughs> it's knowledge that can never be known by man. <laughs> we didn't. We didn't talk about black holes. You, if, you, if you threw Abba into a black hole, yeah. Then, if you threw Abba into a black according, hole, according to our current understanding, then uh, in the very far future, when the black holes evaporated away, we could reconstruct them from the Hawking radiation. Would it so be, they're never destroyed. So Abba would never be destroyed. Right. Now, would they? Would they be reconstructed as 1977 Abba? 
or would they be reconstructed as 2022 ABBA? All, all of those, the, the, the whole lifetime of ABBA. Incredible. Would be reconstructable, we think now, from the Hawking radiation, which is a great, which I'm going to talk about. So, if you, can we eliminate the Mamma Mia phase? Oh, what? Well, I'm sorry. How dare you? That is, that is unbelievable. <laughs> I'm just sorry. I, I, I don't go along with the premise. <laughs> Doesn't know who the father is. You can't do it. it seems There's that- three guys. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, this went so off the rails at the last second. Uh, Brian, I apologize. What, what, is the, what is the lyric? Mamma Mia. You mean the musical too? The musical and the movie? We're sure, yeah. How dare you? I haven't seen it. Well. It's fun. We won't get into it just now. It's a good time. Listen, <laughs> I think we cracked the real question. People are just, I, yeah. ev- everyone should fast forward <laughs> to the end. When we throw ABBA into a black hole, they're reconstructed as all ABBAs from all phases, but somehow the Mamma Mia phase is removed. It implies that they're holograms, but we can talk about that next time. You've got to come back. Yeah. Uh, and also well, uh, you'll be so defending next, me. Next in- Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Conor Brian Needs a Friend is sponsored by ADT, introducing ADT Self Setup, featuring everything from motion sensors to Google Nest Cam and the Nest Doorbell with a battery or wired option. Your choice. Easily install the ADT Self Setup security system at your convenience. You don't need heavy-duty tools. And if you do need help, ADT can provide virtual assistance along the way. Self Setup from ADT grows, moves, and adapts as your needs change. You can add more products at any time, and your system easily moves wherever life takes you. It also features Nest Cams that can tell the difference between a person, an animal, a vehicle, or with the Nest doorbell, even a package. These things are getting so smart. Plus, on every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. You can view video of an alarm event and verify or cancel an alarm with just one quick tap. Now everyone can get trusted security from ADT installed your way with no long-term contracts. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, well, <laughs> you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Google, Nest Cam, Nest Doorbell, and Nest Aware are all trademarks of Google LLC. Come on, if most people are being honest, no one really knows what you do for work, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, especially if you're in a, what I like to call B2B. Oh, you know? what, what is that? I'll explain. Okay. That's a business doing business with other businesses. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I call it B2B. It's a little thing. It's also, uh, it's a boy band I'm working on. <laughs> anyway, fortunately, LinkedIn has a network of professionals who get what you do, and you can reach the right people who matter most to your company because they're LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what they do. LinkedIn has over, this is the fun part to say, one billion members. Are you serious? Yeah. That's that's more people than are on Earth because there are people on the moon using it and Saturn. (laughs) That's one over one billion members on its platform, including 70 million decision makers. God, I'd like to meet a decision maker. Since LinkedIn members are regularly updating their work history, you can precisely build a target audience by job title, industry, company, and more. Man, you can reach the right people for your, I'm going to say it again, B2B business with LinkedIn ads. Gets even better because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Hmm. There you go. Just go to linkedin.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. 
That was early. No. Three. It was early. Three, two, one. Fun. Oh. Here we go. Three, two, one. Great. What the fuck? <laughs> Jesus. What, why don't you? He should do the clap. I'll judge you doing the clap. It's a lot of pressure to do the clap right. Uh, let me explain to people, in case we ever use this, <laughs> that you need to do a sync clap if one of us isn't here. Sona and I are in studio. Uh, Matt Gorley uh, is uh, in Pasadena. I won't give the exact street because I think he'd be attacked immediately. <laughs> you don't um, know it. <laughs> yeah. And I have no idea what it is. I've been there once, but he made me wear a blindfold because he didn't want me to know where he lives. I sure don't. Uh, but anyway, yeah. But anyway, we have to do a sync clap to make sure that we are all in audio sync. And um, <clears throat> Eduardo counted you down for the clap. Yeah. Yes. And your clap was way off. He did three, two, one, and you did it like that. And so you did it on three and a half instead of on what, have, what would have been four. Yeah. And so I was just making fun of your clap. Um, and then you did another clap, which wasn't great. I think your tempo's it's weird. It's a lot of pressure because you're they're counting down, and it's a lot of pressure because you're it's like not a lot of pressure. It there is, couldn't I don't be know less why. There, anytime there's a countdown involved in anything, it's it's nerve wracking. There's never been less pressure. We're in a podcast studio. All you have to do is clap. If you don't get it perfectly right, we do it again. There is pressure though because <laughs> you're gonna ride her ass super hard if she gets it wrong. Thank That's you. The yeah, because yeah. yeah, and then you're here right next right next to me. So and Matt, I can you tell zoomed in. Judging. Just so you could take Sona's side. Yeah, That's I gotta run. <laughs> I'm, I came when I came to do. I gotta go. Hang in there, girl. Matt oh, zoomed in. Don't leave uh, me. I, I can't believe he zooms in. He's like the cavalry comes in yeah. and it doesn't save me, just immediately puts a bullet through my head. What do you need to be saved save with, though? What did you get saved? You're the <laughs> oppressor here. Let me help you. Eduardo, give me the countdown and I'll give you the correct go. Here we go. Three, two, one. That's right on time. That is called. Is that good? That is called a. Perfect. You know what though? He's also he's really trying right now. He, no, I'm not. You've I'm never just, clapped that like confidently. You've never clapped that like have, loudly have, before. It's called having a sense of time and tempo. You don't have that. Um, you are born without it. I don't know what happened to you uh, as a child, and I'm sorry. But we shouldn't rely on Sona anymore for the clap sync. What do you think, Matt? I think you're wrong. I believe in Sona. I think we can do this. Sona, Eduardo, clap her in again. And Sona, oh, you fuck. got this. I don't want to do it again. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll do it. But I'm I'll looking at you. I'll do it. I'm looking at you. I, well, you're the Go ahead. worst. Go ahead. You are the worst, worst, worst to be next to right now. I hate this Sometimes so much. Sometimes the worst is this also is the best. So much. I'm actually, never, my hands are shaking. All right, definition. Okay. It's my never hands are, the best. My hands are shaking right now. Sometimes I'm okay. so nervous. Three, two, one. That was yeah. Felt a little, felt a little early. <laughs> felt a little, Eduardo. What do you think? Be honest. It's, it was really good. Oh, no, Eduardo, Eduardo, be on, be, Eduardo. Oh my god. Eduardo, be honest. So, be honest. Oh. Be honest. Here's god. what I propose. Why don't you guys a early. do it at the same time without looking at each other and see who's more on? Okay, Eduardo, okay. count us. All right. Three, two, one. I mean, Ooh, you're both pretty that was in sync. Tight. Yeah, I was perfectly in sync, and then you saw me shut and did up. it. Shut up! No, I didn't mean to say shut up. I don't like it when people say I do. I'll Wait, just shut you, up. Say goodbye. All you say it. All you say to me is Gamma, shut up. You, you, is that what you say to your kids when they're being too harsh? I say gamats. Gamats. Yeah, slowly, gently. I think that you gamats. Gamats. Uh, oh. You were waiting for me to mess up the clap. You were looking at me. You couldn't wait, and then when I went too fast, you like dove. In, and I think that you're creating a very hostile work environment and I don't like it and I want to go 
cry in the bathroom. Hey, Sona, maybe you can cancel him for his clap pressure. And this could be like a landmark case of canceling. Yeah, this is what gets me. Yeah, this is what takes me down is that publicly shamed you for being off tempo with your clap. Can can I ask you like a serious question? Yeah. Were you ready to scrutinize my clap? Nope, not at all. I just heard it and it didn't sound right. Now, Eduardo picked up on it too. I could see in his eyes. Eduardo has very expressive eyes and they welled up with disappointment. Uh, (laughs) You um, didn't. You immediately, as soon as I clapped, you jumped in and criticized me for it. And I don't don't like it. Sona, Sona. I think you're an incredible person. I think oh, you're very, listen to me. That's the worst. No, no, listen. Hold I on, hate just, this. Hold on. I think you're an incredible person, but you do have f- some flaws, and one of them is terrible clap tempo. Okay. Awful. I, wow. Maybe the worst I've ever seen. I'm never doing that again. I just want everybody here to know I'm never doing the clap thing okay. again. Okay. And that's the end of this segment in three, two, one. Perfect. Oh. I taught you well. You didn't teach me anything. Peace out. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. With Conan O'Brien, Sona Movsesian, and Matt Gorley. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. Engineering by Will Beckton. Additional production support by Mars Melnick. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review read on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack.